strong aspiration in life is to be a massive cripple. Nailed it! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sick Babe, the podcast from my bed to yours. Here we'll be chatting about all the things that it means to be invisibly sick or disabled, or chronically ill, whatever words you choose. We'll be talking about everything from tired sex to Mary on Facebook, who thinks she knows more about your condition than you do. Um, and we hope that it can be a juicy bedside chat for those days that you don't have loads of energy and maybe just something to keep you company on the days that you feel all right. And if you're not sick or disabled, don't worry, you can still listen. Turns out capitalism and ableism is screwing us all over. All right, let's get into it. Hey, sick babes. I can't wait to share this conversation with you today. I had the absolute pleasure of chatting to Imogen Fox. Um, Imogen uses they, them and she pronouns. And they are a queer, disabled femme serving up radical body politics. They started um, and a lot of their activism is formed in anti-diet culture. And they just want to spread lots of non-judgmental compassion in the activism and artistry that they do. I have been following Imogen for a long time on Instagram. Instagram, please do check out their um, Instagram page, The Feeding of the Fox, and we'll link that down below, um, where they talk a lot about their experience of living with an invisible and often sometimes visible chronic illness um, and disability. They kind of advocate a lot for the disability community, um, and I really appreciate their voice and humour, which you'll see in this conversation. So I really hope you enjoy this episode today. Trigger warning for this episode, we talk a lot about being in hospital and the experiences of that. We will link the timestamps in the description below. I started just sharing my life, really. Um, slightly awkwardly, I definitely started as a diet account. So that's like how I started gaining a, like a small following. My Instagram was mostly around weight loss. And then when I discovered um, body acceptance, body neutrality, that's for me when um, like all my politics kind of dropped into place. So I like I was raised as a disabled person, like say raised. I, my, my best mate who I met when I was 16, she was 10 years older than me. She was properly radical. She was already on the streets, like doing demos, part of the direct action network. She lived up in Manchester. She was queer and she like gave me this radical education. So then I like, I totally was in it. Disability rights, disability politics. I was completely in it. I was on the streets too, doing all the demos. Like it was great fun. Um, but I don't think I ever really realised that body politics, certainly radical body politics, stretched way, way beyond just like dis like just the kind of niche intersections. So like I I didn't do any anti-racism work. I didn't do any anti-fat phobia work, like all of that stuff. Like it just didn't really click for me until I realised that I'd actually made myself really, really unwell by dieting, like having an eating disorder, essentially. Um, and then so all the politics around kind of fatness, fat phobia, body acceptance, body neutrality kind of clicked in with my disability rights work. And I all of a sudden, like it, <laughs> there was this like, ah, oh, light bulb moment of, oh crap all bodies like okay right I get it now do you know so then I guess like my work kind of stretched out from there really like started to cover a lot more bases I'm like I'm still learning like I still get it wrong all the time and I guess that's sort of um part of political work isn't it is is like putting your foot in it and being like oh 
oops, didn't mean to do that. And then, you know, educating yourself and going out and trying to do it better. But yeah, like just living with an impairment is really hard work. And being a queer person within that too, like just makes it a little bit harder again. And being a person of colour, like for you, makes it harder again. Like there's just, there's so much going on for so many people just needs needs more conversation doesn't it but I did a photography degree in my early 20s so like art was always part of my life and um I find it really difficult now to acknowledge myself as an artist I don't feel like I produce enough to be an artist I don't feel like I write enough to be a, a, an activist but I guess I took a couple of boxes somewhere do you know what I mean like definitely it's 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 really interesting, <laughs> isn't it it's like how when do we choose to define as an artist and a writer and Uh, from my outside perspective I would definitely say that it is the the photographs in your photography skill and eye obviously um now you said that you've done a degree which is really powerful on your page and also the writing that you do around it I think it's I think that in itself is really without trying to sound like super fangirly is really it's really shifted for me it's kind of like you see the image and then you and then what you're saying might be just like not sharing this to, I don't want to talk about what's actually going on with my body. Like that's been really empowering for me because I think at the beginning of when we're um, having a diagnosis. So I was, I lived with kind of um, symptoms from childhood, but was only Mm -hmm. diagnosed when I was 17. Mm -hmm. Um, And so really learning how to navigate, how to talk about my disability without going on the kind of long medical list of like, it's yeah, this, 100%. It's that. and also like, no one really understands it anyway, because my condition is really rare. So it's like, they're like, what's that? And then I have to use another condition. So like, yeah. just to find it really, it's so actually being able to be empowered to be like, yeah, I'm disabled. And this is the, these are my access needs. And that's it. Like, you don't exactly. Yeah. That's this is what you're allowed to have access to. Yeah, it honestly, it still amazes me the number of people who drop into my DMs being like, "What, what is wrong with you exactly?" And I'm like, mm, <laughs> probably just not that question, really. Block, wow. delete, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, wild. The the entitlement to our bodies, I guess, as like femmes, as like yeah. disabled people, yeah, queer people who yeah. now queerness has become this commodity as well. It's like yeah. the intersections. I can imagine is a massive thing for you. Yeah, it's been really difficult. And I think like, um, oh, I don't know how to talk about this. It's really tricky. So I left my partner of 10 years at the end of last year. Um, And the prospect of like sharing my body with somebody completely new again now, maybe, is just like blowing my mind a little bit. Because I like, I don't know about, how like how often you're in hospital and obviously lots of disabled people aren't in hospital but they still experience a similar kind of thing I think is that there's um you enter a room and suddenly your body isn't your own anymore like other people are just allowed to touch you and ask you questions and they expect um unimaginable amounts of like painfully private and personal information from you and the prospect of like going into a space where I want to share my body but I just like I don't know how you're meant to navigate that it's so challenging but then like I'm also super conditioned to be like oh um sorry about this and these are my symptoms and like oh those spaces are just so tricky to navigate like and even now like so you say you were diagnosed at 17 like my symptoms started in childhood and and got significantly worse in my early teens but I wasn't diagnosed until I think I was 
like it was 2011. I don't even want to think about how old I was then, but I was like properly late 20s. So I'd gone almost a decade of really severe impairment, like in and out of intensive care, really, really poorly for a long time and no diagnosis. Like, so I just had nothing to kind of cling on to. But it also meant that I was constantly like new doctors, new people will tell me about this, scans, tell me about that, like blood tests being poked and prodded and people kind of just like trying things and that not working and trying something else and that not working. Like the amount of trauma that I experienced in those 10 years alone is like enough to give anybody complex PTSD you know like it, it was just such a wild time but that like I don't know how I'm meant to make peace with the fact that my body is only sometimes mine yes like, you know wow. wow yeah no I really hear that I and I think one of the things especially over lockdown that I've realized is how much trauma I have from the hospital yeah. um and how much of my life is spent trying to I mean, when you when you're disabled and when you're chronically ill, you realize that you know our body is so much not in our control than people. You know this this kind of um, you know the mainstream is like eat this and you'll be fine and you'll never get a disease and you'll never be sick and it's kind of like yeah like (laughs) all disabled people just laugh at that because like I've done everything and I'm still here so it's it's not it's not about that yeah. Um, but how much of my life is still kind of falsely related to got to try and stay out of hospital, got to try and like not do this, stay inside so much. Like last year before the pandemic started, it was, uh, it was ironic. I don't know whether it was some like weird woo woo thing, but I was like trying to research masks um, to get some before we knew it was coronavirus. Cause I, every flu season, I'm really like, I sometimes end up in hospital in flu season because I have like symptoms of like a stroke kind of thing or, and and I was like, I really can't, (laughs) I just really don't want to go. So I was trying to get these masks. And then I ordered some and they didn't come and I was like, oh, that's weird. And then actually it turned out it's because there was massive like pandemic. Literally. So (laughs) yeah. I think it is it, you know I yeah I really have started to realize oh yeah like you go into hospital and you have to kind of dissociate for half of the time do you find that that's really changed your experience within your body though because I feel like I'm in this really weird situation where I am both wildly intimately connected to my body and and know all the fucking things wait am I allowed to swear of course. Okay, great. <laughs> sorry. Late to the party on that one. Sorry, I should have asked that first, really, shouldn't I? But also, like, completely unaware and totally disassociated from it. So, for example, um, <laughs> I remember this one time I went into A&E. And, like, I don't know about you, but I know my clinical team really well. And um, he'd come down, one of my doctors had come down to meet me in A&E. And I was like, oh, babes, just, you know, hit me up with the usual drugs. I'll be out. Do you know what I mean? And he was like, Imogen, your liver has failed. So we're definitely admitting you. And I was like, oh, shit, the bed. I had no idea. That was so poorly. And then there's other times that I go in and I'm like, there's definitely something wrong, guys. Like, the shit's hit the fan. I am not well. And they're like, you know, your blood's are absolutely fine. Like, I just, I just... I feel so like totally connected in some ways and I'm like oh I can't do that or I couldn't eat this today or like I know my limits and then on the other hand like I'm so used to just being like oh that pain's nothing like let's just like I went in once I I phoned my team and I was like I've just got this bit of chest pain like I don't think it's a biggie just don't worry about it and they were like let's just do some bloods cash 
be absolutely fine, I'm sure. My potassium was like one. They were like, call an ambulance, <laughs> like literally get to hospital right now. And I just, it's, I just don't really know where that kind of line is meant to fall between like, when are you just that annoying patient who rings constantly because you don't mm. feel quite right and there's sort of nothing really wrong? And when are you that, like, really annoying person who leaves it until the very last minute and then is, like, really profoundly unwell? But I just, oh, it's yeah. so complicated. I really, I really relate to that. <laughs> That's, like, I feel like, you know, you have those... I feel like it's sometimes talking to other disabled folks is like a game where you like unlock a memory where you're like, oh my God, yeah, totally. yeah remember that time. Yeah, like, yeah. like or or like you unlock a, an experience where it's like, I didn't really know, I know that that's happening for me, but I don't really talk about it. So yeah, that's yeah. really, really a thing because I've been having like new pains and it's like some of my, my friends call it like muggle sick where you're like, you know, normal people. Yeah. Six, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is just a muggle sick thing. Like I um, yeah. I can't be bothered to like go and do this investigation but then and then I have a moment of hyper awareness where I'm like what if it's like actually a really serious thing and then like years later I'm like that didn't get it sorted so uh, yeah I'm totally um and sometimes it's just like um really it's just the the sick admin is so exhausting because you're like you might come from back from the hospital for one thing and then you're like oh great I guess I gotta like email about that yeah or, like I literally last time I came out of hospital I was like I think I've got a blood clot guys I'm just gonna like I lasted less than 24 hours and I was back in with a blood clot I was like fuck's sake like it's just this domino effect constantly and then of course while you're in hospital you can't do all the other things that you w- would usually be doing for sick admin usually I miss half my drugs like it usually creates a shit storm of other impairment related bullshit that you couldn't manage while you were in hospital there's like appointments have piled up at home that you've missed because you've been in hospital for so long. Yeah, I, I honestly, how like non-disabled people like deal with their car insurance and have a job. I'm like, honestly, my mind is blown. <laughs> like, I can't decide whether they must just have so much time on their hands that they can just do all the things or or whether like life just comes to a complete standstill. Because I'm just like... Honestly, I could show you about 45 pieces of paper right, literally right here of like lists of shit that I need to do. And I'm like, oh, but I am quite tired today. So I might just need to have a nap first. It's like, do I take care of the body that I'm here in or do I like take care of my body in a couple of weeks when I know I don't deal with this little... It's just like, it's just boring. Mate, so... I'm so done. I'm so bored of it. I also like, I hate asking other people. I don't know about you. I'm Mm. just like, I'm so, I feel so desperately conditioned now to be like, must do this by myself, mustn't ask for help, must be like the strong, independent, disabled person, mustn't like, you know, use my friends, like take the piss out of them or take advantage of their kindness. I don't want to be the person that everybody has to rescue. Like I need to be the person who brings to the party and like make sure that all our relationships are like equal and balanced. And, oh, but it's so hard. Like, I don't know at what point I meant to just go, do you know what? Actually, a lift home would be cracking. Thanks so much. Yes, please pick me up. Or if you're at the supermarket, could you just do my shopping? I've just got a small list. That'd be great. Thanks. But like, at what point do you like stop dragging yourself through 
all sorts of torture in order to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally managing this. Like, I'm nailing life. Come on, guys. Yeah, to be like the good disabled, to be like yeah. the because Because it is the perception of disabled folks in mainstream society, isn't it? It's like... You're either the the poor, what infantilized, like mm. really weak one who everybody yeah. has to rescue, or you're like, ah, you're really you like inspire me, man. Like you know, you're overcoming it, and you're just yeah. still being- yeah. <laughs> and, it's like, and and then even if, when you try and like not be that person, you're still like, oh, somehow I can only get rec, you know, not recognition, but like yeah, but you're like a hundred percent one or the other, right? Like it feels yeah. almost impossible to find like a a kind of line in the middle where where it's comfortable, where you feel like you're asking your friends for the things that you need, having your needs met or, or whatever, but but that it isn't like wildly inappropriate. Pity me, I'm you know desperately in need of support, but also that you're not like sailing high, like you're being honest about what's happening for you. I, I don't I don't it doesn't feel like that there there is that midpoint particularly I, I feel like certainly for me I feel like I flip flop between one and the other where I'm like completely half dead like someone's gonna have to come and rescue me now because I've like I'm just it's, I'm done or like absolutely not no I'm stoic like I will till the bitter end over my dead body like I just I don't know how to find that kind of middle ground and society doesn't make it any easier because if no. you're not one of those two you've got to be a fucking Paralympian Are you kidding me oh my like, gosh like, I definitely went through that phase after I was <laughs> to be like mate, email, didn't we all when I was younger and I was like how can I still be Paralymp-? and I was like why am I trying to be a Paralympian like it's not Jesus. like and I'm emailing all these people writing like yeah this is the way and like yeah and also emailing the um the coaches to be like, yeah, the doctor says that, like, if I do strenuous exercise size, I will, like, pass out or I might, like, have a seizure. But- <laughs> 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 and they were like, about being like, you know, if the doctor is probably not for you, babes. But it's, honestly, it's taken me ages to accept my new, the new prospect of my body. You know what I mean? And I think, because I think there's no, you know, we don't have, any um blueprint or trajectory for like successful disabled people do we you know when you're yeah. younger you go you know when I'm older I really want to be disabled <laughs> do you know what I mean and it's like <laughs> my <laughs> aspiration in life is to be a massive cripple yeah That's literally it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly I mean for now now I feel like I'm just starting to get there to be like how do I celebrate my disability and be like it is yeah. you know it's kind of like funny and awkward in ways and it, you know it allows me to to see things differently, blah de blah, like cliche things. <laughs> you know? yeah. But also those cliche things are true. Yeah, are true. But I think that kind of um like earlier you referenced body neutrality. And I, I wondered if you could tell folks like what that means like in general and means for you. Cause I feel like that discovering that recently has really helped me shift a lot of things as well. Yeah. So um, when I like started to recover from my eating disorder um, or entered like a recovery focus sort of thing, that was really terribly worded. Basically what I mean is that you can't just be recovered from an eating disorder. Like it takes Mm -hmm. a long time. So it's still like a focus and an aim rather than like a, you know, done it type thing um so I found like body positivity um and obviously like looking back now made a lot of mistakes in terms of that like it's a really whitewashed movement and there's a lot of um 
there's just a lot of niche politics around it. There's probably a bit pointless to try and explain. But basically, within body positivity, there was this idea that you could kind of find a, a, a place in your in yourself where you felt confident and some kind of love for your body. And actually, I think what certainly within the queer disabled community, we kind of cottoned on pretty quickly that just like casually loving oneself probably wasn't really top of our to-do list because actually loving a body that is fucking useless at times Mm. is really hard work. And loving a body that like um, means that you're oppressed in society, means that you don't have access to things, means that you're denied a shit ton of stuff. Like, like, that's just a no from me. Thanks very much. But body neutrality is this kind of place where you just feel ne- literally neutral about it. So that it doesn't have to be positive, but it also doesn't have to be negative. And I think there's like, there's a lot of nuance within that, right? Like, it's okay to wake up in the morning and just be like, oh God, I'm in pain. And that is just so shit and I I feel shit about my body right now but actually to be able to then your next thought be but you know it's trying I am going to be able to do a couple of things today or I'm not going to be able to do a couple of things today but at least I'm in bed and like just to find a space where you're just you know just some kind of acceptance and I mean in some ways it it almost feels like quitting the fight a little bit like just that kind of do you know what like I I don't want to fight my body like I don't I really hate I don't know how you feel about this but the whole like um so interestingly I I was just about to ask you about this Uh, I feel like there's kind of two niche camps so everybody might consider themselves um to be disabled or not that's kind of political but within that there's kind of um chronic illness and then people with like physical impairment and they they might be two different things so I feel like I kind of maybe cover both a little bit like I have chronic health stuff but I also have a physical impairment and I as an umbrella term I consider myself a disabled person like politically but I feel like this whole oh I'm a chronic illness warrior bullshit like just please get in the bin oh my (laughs) god like I am guys I'm tired I don't want to have to fight anything like I'm I'm busy like I'm really busy doing all the other things admin I'm just literally literally to be like why has this not happened that I asked you five times already yeah hello thank you like where is my prescription that I asked for six months ago and still hasn't been delivered like yeah I, I just I don't have time to be fighting against my own body and also like I I don't think that's okay like I think Mm. what we know about autoimmune diseases now and impairment really across the board is that if you live a life where you talk shit about yourself and you are constantly kind of fighting your body and surrounded by shame and oppressed by society around you like your your body will argue back to that like you're gonna create a shit storm inside every cell in your body so for me very long-winded body neutrality was a place where I could let my cells breathe again and just be like 
okay, deep breath. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. We don't have to be okay or not okay. We can just sit in the middle and nobody's fighting anybody. And today is what it is today. And tomorrow will be what it is tomorrow. And I'm, you know, I'm going to have feelings about that. And that's totally okay. All my feelings are valid, but I don't have to be involved with them all of the time and and be arguing with them constantly. And I, I guess like, so part of eating disorder recovery, right, is acknowledging that the things that you think and feel are there, they're real, like mm. they're happening inside of your head, but you don't have to have a fucking conversation with them. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you've got yeah. some dickhead in your mind giving it fat bitch, just you probably shouldn't be eating that. Like, well, you probably need to pipe down. Do you know what I mean? Like, with, I don't <laughs> need to do, do you, literally stop now. Why? Like, it just it doesn't need to be an ongoing conversation. Yeah. You don't have to be invested in all, all those thoughts and feelings. And it took a it like it definitely takes practice. Mindfulness annoyingly is useful for that kind of thing. But yeah, just like just moving away from that whole like you have to fight or you have to feel positive or you have to love yourself. Like I'm under enough pressure to do a shit ton of stuff. Like I don't have to feel anything basically no, I totally I'm with you I'm with you I hate the fight talk I hate the warrior talk like um <laughs> yeah sometimes as a joke my partner um calls me zip warrior because that's like the term for one of my conditions because <laughs> I've got a zip at, like a scar at the back of my head oh yeah yeah okay and like <laughs> so um <laughs> but like it's a joke because it's like there's not like this there's nothing when you know I think Obviously, for some people, gives them great, you know, it gets them through, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. For me, I'm like, when I'm in hospital, I'm not fighting anything. I'm just lying there being pumped yeah. with what I'm being pumped with. And mm-hmm. it's like, some like maybe I'll survive and be stronger out of it. Maybe I won't. Like, there's no way to know. And often what influences that is like my age or like yeah. what's going on in my body, the stress levels, the support that I've got yeah. around me. Like, yeah. It, you know, so that even the, the whole talk around in the COVID um, pandemic has been really triggering in the sense of like, well, you know, he survived it, he fought it, he won the battle. And it's like, what are we talking about? Like, yeah. so everybody who didn't, who died last, like, you know, yeah. some people die, some people live, like, yeah. and we'll know some correlations between that, but we won't know everything. And I think part of like, yeah, you, like you said, not having conversations with everything all the time, I think yeah. is something like, it's almost like, a skill that I think some disabled folks um, have to kind of, you have to kind of pin down because it's not every day that you can be doing Googling, Googling and research. You know, you can't, like you just, yeah. you will kind of make yourself, like you said, make yourself stressed, make potentially yeah. things worse. Yeah. And I think it's interesting the, com- the question you said about like chronically ill and physically impaired. And I, and I think I straddle, both of them as well at different times of the month and you know and you know depending on how I feel I want to talk about it I think it's really important for me to adapt a disabled as like a political term for myself because um but how and then how I describe my um body I think it changes depending on where I'm at but like you said it's kind of like sometimes like, I can't bother to even think about it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like lying there. And all I can think about is the fact that I'm really tired and I need to just like, you know, watch Netflix. I don't really yeah. think about anything more than yeah. that. If I'm just... 
Yeah, totally understand. I think um, the whole survival thing I, I find really challenging too. So I wrote a post not very long ago, actually. I, maybe I was in hospital. And I, I think um, I'd seen in somebody's story, I don't know if you've seen the meme. I mean, there's millions of them, obviously. But um, uh, I've survived all of my worst days. Or you've survived 100% of your worst days. I think that's what it said. And I just, I literally just wrote a post being like, do do you know for a moment, though, what surviving looks like for people like me? Like, surviving intensive care and comas and sepsis, like, I, I didn't survive without massive fucking trauma. I didn't survive without PTSD. I didn't survive without the most unimaginable flashbacks and trauma and pain. Like, just uh, just saying, oh, you've survived 100% of your worst days is just... Like it's it it shrinks the trauma down into something useless. Yeah, I so I just think like when when we talk about surviving, it really um, diminishes the ways in which surviving is damaging and the ongoing like lasting effects of surviving when you're you're living a life like we're living. I I. I get it. So those sorts of um, motivational quotes, I think they were sort of written for people with mental health conditions. And like, I understand where that comes from, but they're platitudes, right? They're meant to just like pick you up in a moment where you're feeling a bit vulnerable or sad and just be like, don't, you know, don't worry, it's going to be okay. And in many ways, like it will just be okay because the reality is we don't have a fucking choice. We're just going to have to get on with it. Like that's my other least favorite thing. Oh my God. What's that one? Um, Oh, what I is think it? I know what you mean, and it's like, is oh, it like, like about coping? Like, oh yeah, coping. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say that again. I, I was going to say, is it the stronger than you believe one? Yes, yes. <laughs> I just think, it, what are you fucking funny? That that we all have like the most hated memes. I feel like it needs to be a page. Literally, like, there should be a page. <laughs> Because Why isn't there a page? I see those things or it's like, well, you've got the same 24 hours as Beyonce. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Beyonce doesn't have medical conditions that I have. So it's, um, it's Wait, not if the I same. had Beyonce's fucking bank balance, literally, my 24 hours would look very different. Literally. Let's be that, real. That is, oh my God, being sick is so expensive. And it's then that, so that, expensive. And that saying it like in a in a country where we have the NHS and all these things, it's still yeah. so like, you know, and because I because my condition, there's not because it's there's not many because it's underfunded and the research and blah blah yeah. blah. There's nothing I can do other than like go to a surgeon and he's like, Well, I can cut you open again if you want, and we can and I'm like, no. It's like, or oh, do you want this? Tablet's probably going to make you maybe infertile and sleepy for the majority of the day, but you won't be in pain. Yeah, and I'm sign like, sign me up. Sounds great. <laughs> I'm like, um, no. So obviously that means then I go have to go right. Okay, what vitamins or supplements am I going to get to yeah. get like, like a basis of being able to cope? But they're bloody expensive, man. They're not. Yeah. They're not cheap. Like so. Um, there was some research done, um, like, probably. I mean, it's probably a good few years old now. I cannot think of the charity's name. That's really bad. Oh, I, I can't remember. I could find it for you if you wanted to know. I definitely wrote a post about it. But I think they were saying that it costs something like an extra, was it 
oh, this is terrible. I'm not, I'm going to stop talking because this is not the right information. I'm going to find it though. Hold on. I know what you mean, but yeah, no. Um, like there was actual, like an actual yeah, charity did um, an actual post about how much it cost it to be a disabled person. And it was wow. literally hundreds of pounds a week, like actually hundreds wow. of pounds a week. I yeah. be, sometimes I have to just not really think about it because it's just yeah. like, be done or like you you're deciding oh i'm gonna buy these like supplements over like <laughs> new top or something and yeah and it, was, it felt like it was actually interesting because i often think about like my teenage years and like trying not to use the language around lost them but it did feel like how much different of a teenage year that i had yeah. because because i you know or, or trying to figure out what is my personality? It's, it's a bit yeah. of a strange thing because when I was younger, I had to be, I was quite an outgoing young, like child. And then when I was diagnosed, I became really cautious because I was so scared about yeah. um, like what was going to happen. And I couldn't be in places with like flashing lights or dark or like, you know, I would, things would change really quickly. And so I spent a lot of the time actually at home, mm. didn't go clubbing or anything like that. So I kind of, developed a different like it was like I was a different I was a different personality but it's also like I'm kind of watching myself knowing that that personality isn't necessarily like me but what 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 is me yeah um because you know there was all these social factors that influence that you know young people don't really know you're still learning how to care for each other so a lot of going not going clubbing was like what if someone just leaves me on the floor like if I fall over or something or or thinks you're drunk and doesn't get you the help you need yeah exactly all these things so it was like I feel like only now in like now I'm hitting nearly 30s it's like oh okay so I like that like you know like doing things like that am I am I a daredevil I don't know am I if I could be so it's just also those things of like you said the distance between you and your body but then also like you and your personality or 100 percent I really related to what you said about the independent because I'm like a staunchly quite independent person. Like, yeah, I can do it myself. Don't worry, blah blah blah. And then having to like realize that okay, I've got to, got to like ask for help, which is not a bad thing for anyone anyway. No, but also it's just it's just a constant. Um, it's like a conundrum, and I've had to like train some of my friends and um and my partner to like spot when I'm not okay, but I'm not saying like I'm not saying it because like. Yeah. like I'll be like, if I'm for whatever reason just watching Netflix for like three days in a row, it might be that we need to like, you need to ask me, am I like in pain or something? Because yeah. I don't know if I'm, if I struggled how to communicate that or mm. whether I knowing that I'm knowing that I'm struggling to communicate that. Sometimes I don't know if I'm in pain because I'm yeah. in pain all the time and I don't know if it's risen or. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. There's basically. so nuanced, isn't it? Yeah. I am. Um... I didn't, I was a full-time wheelchair user for 12 years. I only learned to walk really, really recently, like three years ago. Um, And I love going on long walks. Like I absolutely love it. And I like the whole of my twenties. So I started using a wheelchair at like 19 and I didn't learn to walk until mm, like early thirties. Yeah. Mm. Like mid thirties even. Like I just, I, I had, there were so many like physical things that I might have enjoyed doing that I didn't. Like I didn't take any drugs. Like literally, mm. literally no drugs, guys. Like I mean, I, obviously <laughs> hospital. 
it's like getting dealt drugs by your doctor. It's just not the same yeah, kind of thrill. Really. I did ketamine in hospital, and um, <laughs> it was it was awful because I thought my surgeon was a spider. She had like eight eyes, and every time she moved her arms, it was like she had eight legs. I just kicked her in the face. Oh my god, that happened to me when I did ketamine as well after operation. Really? Like, yeah, and I thought my whole bed was on fire, and this person came, and I was like, Ugh! and I was like, te- I just looked at the text in the morning. I was texting my family all this kind of weird, like, I just feel so great, but I'm also very scared. <laughs> not it's the so- I was looking for in my in my team. Absolutely not. It's a no, thank you. But now I'm like. Should I get some MDMA? Like that? I mean, that sounds like it might be quite fun. Do, but as a like almost forty year old, I'm like, is that allowed? Like, am I allowed to start taking MDMA now? I just have no I'm idea. I'm with you. I t- I mean, I totally like hear that thing of like, and also and also being like, I remember me and one of my friends and had a conversation where I was like, I kind of had this weird reaction about MDMA where I was like, what what if it like kills you and you just don't know but I think that fear comes from being disabled being like it's gonna I'm like I always just say I'm gonna be the one that is gonna die and everyone else is gonna be fine and I'm gonna be the one who has a really bad trip Um, but actually trying to be at peace with being like maybe you're you're not maybe and actually your body's probably taken harder drugs like you said (laughs) yeah so it's like but it is it's that thing of and it's also you're ingesting the society's idea of what a disabled person is, isn't it? It's like, yeah. you're not like a party goer. Disabled people don't party. Like they don't do drugs. They don't like yeah. be hedonistic. They just sit yeah. at home and cry. And I don't know. Yeah. And then everyone claps when they make a cup of tea or something. <laughs> <laughs> I wish more people clapped when they made a cup of tea. Literally. That's my God. Who is going to make that app? Like that just like claps every time we do something. I feel like that that would actually help my life. Motivational. I think it would. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder also whether there's like, um, for me, like obviously having lived like, so I was saying to one of my friends the other day, I feel like I'm the most passing I've ever been in my whole life because as a full-time wheelchair user, I was also fat as a wheelchair user. And I mean, I think I'm probably reasonably queer presenting in most spaces, but I don't know. I'm also femme enough that I, I totally um, like I pull it off. Do you know what I mean? But like being a fat wheelchair using queer person is so different to being a thin walking kind of queer femme looking person like how I'm responded to in society now is so completely different to how I was responded to to previously and I think like that I mean Grant I, I feel quite fortunate in some ways I've experienced both because it gives me um you know I can look back and acknowledge the differences in privilege and that kind of stuff and it helps certainly in terms of writing to be able to kind of cover many bases but now I'm like it's it's wild how differently I'm responded to in so many spaces and also how many more freedoms I'm granted as a result of just being thin like literally just being thin if I like because obviously in in the middle of that so I was like a fat wheelchair user but then I was a smaller fat wheelchair user and then eventually I was um a thin manual wheelchair user and then eventually kind of crutches and then walking but all the ways in which I was responded to differently it like honestly blows my mind I remember being in intensive care once and um so I uh, I had 
actually had to be resuscitated on the ward. So they'd called the crash team and then I had gone into intensive care and they'd intubated me and they, they try and take the tubes out as quickly as possible. Right. So I was extubated the next day and I was trying to breathe for myself and I was on a hundred percent oxygen. Honestly, probably one of the worst experiences of my life. And I remember the nurse saying to me, you're doing this to yourself. And I was just honestly like, I remember, I can still see it now, like proper trauma flashbacks, you know, like I counted the seconds on the clock and I'd be like, in a minute, I'll be dead. Like I won't have to do this for another minute. And I was counting the 60 seconds. And when it got round to the next 60 seconds, I'd say it again. I just, it's babe, literally just 60 more seconds and you'll be dead. And this wow. nurse, my one-to-one nurse in intensive care being like, you're doing this to yourself. And it was because I was fat. Like the implication was that because I was a fat person, I couldn't breathe as well or or whatever. And that I'd done that to myself and that it was my fault. Like, I mean, ridiculously, I crashed again about 20 minutes after that. And um, I was intubated for two weeks in a coma. So I don't think I did that to myself quite, but no. I mean, it's that sort of, that, that was the, that's the level of fat phobia that still exists in, healthcare and it's no wonder people fear fatness like that's the reason fat phobia exists right because we're all so horrible to fat people like of course nobody wants to be fat like it makes perfect sense but it also creates a cycle of unimaginable harm for all communities yeah definitely and I think it's you know to think about how um, fat people will go to the hospital and, you know, doctors just will not investigate some of the pain that they're having because it's like, well, first of all, let's deal with the fatness. And it's like, like some, like, like losing weight as well, like safely can be done overnight, which is also triggers the whole eating disorder culture. And then we'll, and then we'll, and then we'll like give you a little treat of like doing the scans or whatever it might be. And that's like really, um, it's really interesting. There was a study done a few years ago, actually, and they said that the health outcomes for people with certain BMIs were significantly worse. So basically, the higher up the BMI chart you went, um, the worse your health outcomes were. But when they did the research into it, it turned out that it was because you were treated so fucking appallingly. So, for example, if I went to the doctor now and was like, my legs are hurting, I think I've you know strained a muscle or I've got done a sports injury or damage somewhere... I would immediately be referred for physiotherapy. I would potentially immediately be referred for scans or to see some kind of surgeon. Whereas a fat person, they're far less likely to go to the GP in the first place. So let's assume that they go three months after I go, right? So the injury is already three months worse than it could have been because they were frightened to go to the GP in the first place. And then let's assume that the first thing the GP says is, well, come back in eight weeks when you've lost a bit of weight and see if it's better. So then they're another two months behind me in terms of recovery. And then every single person that they meet after that is very possibly going to do a similar thing. Well, if you could just lose a bit of weight, like, you could very easily get to 18 months before anybody even actually assesses what is happening to your body because every single point at which you've interacted with somebody medical, their first suggestion is weight loss rather than treatment. 
Yeah. Like the amount of times, I've, I've honestly, I've heard stories. Was it Virgie Tova? I think maybe was saying that she'd been to the doctor with tonsillitis. She had re- like really raging tonsillitis, and the doctor was like, "Can you get on the scales?" And she was like, "Yeah, but it's my tonsils." <laughs> and the, can you imagine? And the doctor just being like, "Yeah, but we are going to need to weigh you." And then like literally started like a weight loss chat. And she was like, "The thing is, right, my tonsils. Like I'm just, I really just it's just the tonsils. <laughs> can we just?" just the antibiotics if you don't mind like I'll come back in a week you know and we can talk about the fatness if you're absolutely desperate but right now just the tonsils if that's okay I properly lived through the whole um benefit scrounging scum so um the Daily Mail really really like properly went in hard on disabled people when the welfare benefits were changed um probably around 2009 2010 I think um and it like it was just horrific like disabled people were completely thrown under the bus Uh, we were all faking like we were all benefit scrounging scum like I genuinely lived in fear I've still got friends who are reported for benefit fraud at least a couple of times a year by their neighbours because they're seen in the garden like stood up or or whatever you know like I I live my whole life being like I just oh but if I do that are they going to put me on the front of the daily mail though you know like had that thought yesterday so that's so funny you said that because I had my like text to say I had to get my PIP like reassessed and I had like a I was having anxiety for the whole week because I was like why is this happening have I done something that they're checking up on me and then I was like calling them being like what's happening and then I was scared that I was talking to normally on the phone when I did that Oh shit! Yeah, I was like outside in the garden, and I thought, "Oh my god, they're going to hear the wind and then think that I'm faking it." And then, yeah, and then I was like, because I could recall my date of birth, (laughs) I was just really like having a a panic and really worried that, like, "Oh my god, I'm going to have this taken off me." And I was trying to research all the questions and check that I knew what I was talking about and all that kind of stuff. And then yesterday I went, I went, I like had a bit of energy for also went for a walk and I literally had that thought of like, Oh my God, what if someone knows me? I don't, no one would know me because I've just moved to this area, but I was like, what if someone knows me, takes a picture of me and then sends it to the DWP and says, and I, and I, and yeah. and, And I was thinking, so what? Because I've this one day in the whole week, because I'm able to like walk to the shop. It means that, uh, it was it's just it just made me have a st- stop and realize how much energy is on our minds all the time of having to yeah. be proving that we're sick enough to get support and then also yeah. but also you know trying to make peace and celebrate the fact of who we are but then also it's, it's just a whole it's just the paradox of it all is really really difficult because well, and it's all performative right so yeah, because you have yeah. to perform being sick enough for um the support in terms of like getting um health so in medicine often like i know a lot of people who are like well i mean if the pains are four i'm probably going to say a six because otherwise they won't take me seriously performative then you have to perform for social care or your like if you get any kind of personal carers like you have to your worst days you have to perform for your benefits like but then also you have to perform for the people around you that you're like a normal person like a not sick person like then like it at what point do I just stop pretending and like find who who I am and but honestly honestly I've been doing it so long there are days that I'm like I have no clue like li- <laughs> I literally have not a fucking clue I don't know who I am yeah that's it's that's that's what 
that's what I think. I think it's something that my mum always used to say to me of like, well, when you're not feeling well, why don't you just, just, you know, just, just rest. <laughs> oh, mum. I know, you, you know, I know you care for me, you know, but there's no well, there's no well part of this story. No. Like I don't get yeah. well, like I'm always yeah. here. So if yeah. I rest every time I don't feel well, I'm never going to do anything. Yeah. And that's completely fine. But also I do kind of want to do some stuff. Yeah. And then also if I do something yesterday, even people who are really close to you will say, oh, but you were feeling, are you, are you not feeling that right yeah. now? That you were, yeah. And it's like, oh so what do I do like do I just do so you know you have to constantly communicate to say hey I know I look fine but I'm actually feeling really ill right now and like so Mm -hmm. I'm probably gonna da 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 and having to because also like the way that you hold your face or body is is kind of dissociated from yourself I think you know if you're actually grimacing in pain all the time you learn that you can't really do that because you're going to draw attention and then there's love and all this kind of stuff you don't really want that attention but also you kind of want people to know but you don't want them to make a fuss but also yeah oh god yes so much of this like often I'll go into the bus with my my bus pass and I can see like it's like the combination of being black being young all these things them looking at my bus pass and going And also my picture is like 10 years old on there. So they're all like, oh, are you sure? Like, did you find this somewhere? And it's like, yeah, literally, I'm disabled. Like, don't know what you want me to say. I don't have like a flag. I don't know what you want me to wear you. Do you know what I mean? Do you want me to bring my paper? I'll just get my superhero cape out. Yeah, literally. I'll just get, I don't know. So yeah, the the performance of your body inside, outside, to yourself. It's just. It's just a constant thing. Um, it's a head fuck. It's a proper head fuck. Really is. It, it really and then is. also we're not allowed mental health conditions because we've only got physical health. Do you know what I mean? Like absolute worst nightmare is a doctor being like, yeah, but is it in your head though? Do you know what I mean? So then you're like, you're constantly like, but I'm sane. I mean, just to be clear, absolutely not sane. Like if I was sane after everything I'd experienced, like, psychopath literally like just how I could be sane after everything I've experienced that I like no not a thing but equally mustn't look mad like mustn't act bad mad mustn't say mad things mustn't acknowledge my eating disorder too much like must be looking like I'm very much holding it together because if I'm not holding it together like then all my symptoms will be in my head and yeah that is like another layer of unimaginable pressure like unbelievably and I think when I was when I so when I was 17 and diagnosed and I said to the nurse I said is there any counseling that I can have and she was like what <laughs> she was like yeah lol what do you mean <laughs> it's like well in my head I was thinking well I'm I'm a teenager and I've just been diagnosed with this massive thing and also because it was like yeah. they they put it on me to decide whether to have my operation or not the brain can thing they were like you can do it but if you do it you might be paralyzed but also if you don't do it you might be paralyzed but also you probably shouldn't do it yet because you're not that bad so probably wait a little bit further until you're that <laughs> so obviously I'm like there going oh, shit the bed yeah, so I literally no said to the nurse, like is there any counseling that I can have and she, she really was baffled as to why and it was like yeah. for me I was like well I'd rather have a chat before I do have a breakdown but I think in their head they were like just wait until you have your breakdown and then <laughs> come yeah. and then we'll put you 100% yeah 
Yeah, definitely. Like, I, so I'm part of um, gastroenterology is is one of my like main teams. And one of the doctors was saying to me the other day, how would I feel about being a, like a peer support worker? And I like, I kind of get it. I understand, right? Like we're a niche community. I mean, we're not that niche. We're quite big, really. But um, like getting support from other people, like I'm all about that. But actually, what, the, the first thing I said to him was, no, mate, you need a psychologist on staff. Like, Peer support is one thing, but essentially what you're asking me to do there is be a psychologist for other people who are experiencing what I'm experiencing. And just because you think I'm holding it together doesn't mean I am actually holding it together. I'm just very good at performing it in front of you. Thank you very much. And the only time that I ever said to him, I'm having a really hard time and I don't really know what to do about it. He literally was just like, that's a shame. I'm going to refer you to the psychiatric department. And I was like, okay, I get it. Like there isn't anything else for him to refer me to because like talking therapy on the NHS essentially just doesn't really exist. There isn't a psychologist on staff, despite the fact that there should be. So I went to see the psychiatrist and like, like, okay, she, she was kind of nice, but also like she's used to dealing with like genuinely, you know psychotic illness like and I was just like the thing is I'm just a bit sad (laughs) and like my eating disorder and I've just got all this shit happening and do you know what I mean and she was just like "Mm mm-hmm yeah but uh, like have you got schizophrenia or like are you psychotic like I mean she's she's a doctor of the mind and I I didn't need a doctor of the mind I needed somebody to show me compassion and and just like chat to me about the shit that I was experiencing like she was not the appropriate person at all and after about six weeks I was like I think we're probably done here do you know what I mean like this is not useful but like like why isn't there just psychology as part of all chronic long-term impairment I just don't really understand that at all like the implication that we would just be fine at the end of all of this shit is like laughable, literally laughable. Yeah. And there's there's also like the hierarchy of illnesses, isn't there, where you see the oh certain, certain illnesses which have all the money and all the things and everything. And then it's like, okay, it's just really, <laughs> yeah. The one We're that both not saying, saying it. We're both not going to say it. not saying it. Don't say it. Can't say it. But, but, but yeah, so that so also like it is that thing of also being like the charities that I tap into are so yeah. stretched and run by like someone yes. nans who are like really nice and yeah. really want to like, ch- like work for their like grandson or daughter because they really want to change the world and then we don't you know and then but ultimately if they were funded better and if people cared more about that and I think it's also what are seen as like the sexy illnesses which is a really bizarre thing to do but like just in the sense of like brain stuff stomach things not like nobody wants to talk about that like it's gross and it's scary like I don't want to raise money for like poo things or like bowel things or belly things I don't want to talk about that don't want to talk about brain because also it means you might look weird or be weird like and I don't really want to think about that but being a disabled kid there's honest the cutest thing in the whole world uh, anyone will buy you a wheelchair you like yes i need a wheelchair are you under 18 yeah. sold do you know what i mean like how where do i where do i sign up i will give you all the money like the minute you turn 26 you're like st- i still need a wheelchair anyone 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 am i, hello? Am I visible like can anyone see me still need some money guys so that's literally what happened when I like so my when you said about why different career and treated differently is like one of the first times I like went into hospital seriously was when I was about 13 went into the children's ward Tigger everything all over everywhere PlayStation it was dream life 
so good. Nurse is so nice, whatever. When I was so when I was 17, went back in for the more major thing and I had to have my the blood taken before, you know, pre-op or whatever. And I said, Oh, have you got that cream? You know, they put on like that freight cream that kind of makes you think. And she was like, no. She said, you don't need that. And I said, she said, if you're not going to deal with this, you're definitely not going to deal with the pain of the operation. I was just, oh my God. What a this little room by myself. And I was like, why would you say that to me? So that was interesting. I was like, okay, so I'm not yeah. like something that people can be sorry for anymore. Then when I got yeah. in the ward, I was younger um, and also very interesting, severely underweight at that point because I couldn't keep anything down. So mm-hmm. I think people thought that I was younger than I was. So I was about 19, probably looked about put to about 16, 17, and so much sympathy then. Oh my God, you're so young. It shouldn't yeah. be happening to you. But then when when I'm going, the years that I, you know, go in again, you see people like less sympathy, more kind of why are you asking for stuff? Um, very kind of your inconvenience in us. And so it really yeah. makes, it's just really interesting knowing just how they do. Um, I just, I think that COVID has really highlighted that there needs to be massive discussion about medical racism. Like how that hasn't been picked up by the media, I genuinely have no idea. Because obviously at the beginning they were like, oh, it's worse among like BAME communities. And I think all the researchers like, well, it must be genetic, surely. And so then they did the research and were like, oh, guys, turns out not genetic, just medical racism. Like, Like how has that not been a conversation? My mind is blown like all the times that we've talked about covid like and yet we we can't honestly like it i i am so overwhelmingly angry about that situation like how we are still how we can still be carrying on medical practice as we are knowing what we know about medical racism now honestly like if this if this doesn't change how doctors are taught from the ground up then like anti-racism work essentially doesn't exist like I I just and I think the thing is that people don't because I'm going to do a talk for like um this organization a couple of weeks and part of it is that they want to know how POC are affected differently by Mm -hmm. by COVID and it's like I was chatting about it with my friends and and they were saying you know you're constantly hearing these things from the news like being people are more likely to die we're more likely to but then there's no so therefore, we're rolling out this blah blah yes. blah. Therefore, yeah, yeah, yeah. Major estimation. It's just every day. Yeah. By the way, you guys yeah. are gonna die. It's really, really like oh, it's just a, a level of sadness of, of feeling like oh, okay, so you've got this because if this giant piece of information came out about like you know cis white men, that it's like men are more. Yeah, like, can you imagine? more likely to die from COVID, but also there's not like, it would be just a massive thing. It would be, but it's just like this thing of like, yeah, by the way, we found out that you're going to die more, but anyway, blah, 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 you know, back onto the Moving on. Literally. And it's so, it's just like up to us to be, to, and that's where, how misinformation spreads as well. Because then you get the other piece of being like, well, BAME people are more likely to succumb to conspiracy theories. It's like, well, nothing is coming from the mainstream media. So what do you think is going to happen is people are going to try and find their own solutions. And then they yeah. are going to send around, eat a bulb of garlic a day or whatever it might be, which also yeah. garlic is not that bad for you. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so because it's like, well, no one else is telling me how do our community 
prevent yeah. it and you're also telling it us that it's our fault it's like it's your fault yeah. that you're gonna die so then we're like oh great so should we drink more orange juice <laughs> like, yeah 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 but it, i mean it's sort of similar to the, those like cycles of negative behavior like you're reinforced so negatively in every interaction why would you go to that it's, it's very similar to that when i was saying earlier about the bmi and fat people going three months later with their injury because they know that they're going to be treated badly as a result of their fatness like I, it must be very similar knowing that your gp is potentially going to treat you poorly because you're a black person or person of color and then every interaction after that just being the same again like that negative re from re what do I mean when it's just reaffirmed there we go reaffirmation constantly that like you're lesser for some reason like people are aren't treated well by the medical industry especially black people especially Mm -hmm. black women how many black women have died over covid like in terms of like parents and people giving birth it's still one in four women black women are likely to die in childbirth in the uk yeah yeah hello yeah Yeah. (laughs) talk about that yeah it's just it's heavy man it's like heavy every day a new report of something reaffirming stuff stuff that we already knew now in stats but then no solution for it just kind of no follow-up yeah yeah. 100 but then also when you go into those um situations which you have to do regularly because you have absolutely no choice about it like there's that fear constantly like you can't be the angry black woman like you you can't like you're there's this like you have to be performatively nice like you have you're allowed to advocate yourself but only to a certain extent if you really push boundaries or appear to be angry then you know that your treatment is going to be curtailed as a result of it like it's just another way in which you're restrained and oppressed in a situation where actually you should be able to say, mate, that is absolutely not good enough. And like, and I absolutely do have the freedom to do that. Like obviously angry disabled person exists, but not in the same vein at all. Like I can absolutely go into a room and be like, no, mate, absolutely not. Like I'm, I'm angry about that. And this is why, and here are my reasons. And you will hear me speak. And I know that my treatment is unlikely to be affected as a result of it, but my best mate, absolutely not. Like she could not go into a room like I could and be angry like that because people would be frightened of her in a way that they would not be frightened of me. And her treatment would absolutely be altered as a result of it. So of course she doesn't get decent treatment. Of course she fears going into every room. Of course she doesn't understand what's happening with her impairment because she's too terrified to fucking ask anybody like it's our treatment is so wildly different it's so stressful I think the last my last one of my last experiences of this which I'm now just unlocking the memory of is that um when I had the last operation I had a couple of years ago my my wound was healing healing fun like in a weird way (laughs) and I went to a doctor and he told me that it was infected when it wasn't but um, so the whole night I was having this panic attack that I because I felt really tired and really sick. And I was like, I must, I'm 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 ha- like I'm in septic shock. I am. I know I am like because I was really like <gasps> and actually I was having this really intense panic attack. It turned out it's fine. Went to another doctor and he was like, no, 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 it's it's actually healing fine. It was um, it, it it's fine. But I think what happens is that they only have 
the physical measure of what it looks like on white skin. So actually they yeah. didn't know what a wound was meant. <laughs> this guy was so yeah. used to on white skin. And then actually I'm black skin. And I didn't have any reference because even when I was Googling it, like none of my skin tone was coming up to say how yeah. it was meant to be healing. And then I'm like, it was just, it's just like made me realize, oh shit. Like, I, I'm, it, yeah, it just, and the only reason that that was how it happened to be resolved properly was because there wasn't enough beds in the NHS hospital. So they had to like, you know, when they second you sometimes to the private hospitals. Yes, yeah. So I had to go to a private hospital. So I happened to get this private healthcare. So if I hadn't got the private healthcare, healthcare I would have been only able to go to the NHS walking centre, which meant that in this doctor who very flippantly just went, yeah, it's infected. And I'm like, what? Like, I've got a, yeah. an infected yeah. open wound. Like, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I was, and it was really, really like... Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you, you're infected. And obviously then I'm feeling hot. I'm feeling, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going into shock yeah. and they're not going to care about me and they just want me yeah. to die. It's just, but um, so that was just a moment where I was like, oh, wow. Like, I'm really scared. What have you got planned for the rest of the day? What, what's, what's the day holding for you? Oh, I'm wall to wall with uh, sitting down, really. Very busy, very busy schedule of sitting down. <laughs> That's a bit of me, that is. That'll be what I'm doing as well. A lot sitting on the list. This is literally just going to... Sitting down, every single one of them. Just sit still. That is a very fancy to-do list. I'm impressed with that. Oh, my gosh, we've chatted so much. It's been it's been great. It's been so good. Thank you so much. Um, You're so welcome.